Well, hey, Soma, uh, Brandon Shields here. I am joined here with uh, Nathan Swinger and John Webster. And as many of you know, some of you may not know, we have a, a medical advisory team that we formed at the beginning of the COVID-19 outbreak uh, just to guide and give some uh, direction to us in terms of helping us understand uh, a little bit more about the pandemic and how that shapes our responses as a church. So they're here just to kind of advise, advise us. I'm not an epidemiologist, as you guys know, or an infectious disease expert. And so um, they have some way more medical training and experience than, than I do, than our elders do. And so they're uh, providing just some great real-time uh, advice to us. And so guys, I'm really thankful for the time that we have to gather on a regular basis for the ways that you're serving our church. And um, many people aren't even aware that you're doing this. And so thank you guys. Could you share a little bit more just kind of professionally, medically, what, where do you guys specialize? And then how are you interfacing with COVID in your kind of everyday lives? Yeah, so we're not epidemiologists either, are we, Nathan? Um, so, so we're we're not we're not going to be uh, perfect here, but uh, we're going to do our best. I, I'm a family nurse practitioner um, down in Fountain Square, and I work with um, kids, adults of all ages, mostly in lower socioeconomic standing, about forty percent Medicaid and um, a little bit of Medicare and plenty of um, cash pay and a little bit of private pay. So that gives me kind of um, yeah, a, a certain perspective. Um, I uh, yeah, work through getting people back to work safely, um, quarantining and whatnot, um, as I as I do and don't get symptoms, and help them try to work out um, whether or not their kids, you know, at least educating them on whether their kids could or couldn't go to school, uh, and that those kinds of decisions they have to make. I'm a pediatric ICU doctor with Riley. Um, I've gotten to take care of a handful of kids and adults, young adults, who have serious COVID or um, end up in the ICU for different reasons. So, yeah. And then uh, we have some others on, on the team as well. Uh, Chang Ho, uh, who's a radiologist. Rebecca Witzig works for the Marion County Public Department of Health. Um, and uh, your, your wife, obviously, Olivia. Um, who uh, is there at an IU health system as well. And so really thankful for this team. And uh, it's just been a joy to work with you guys. Share a little bit with, uh, so I want to just kind of provide an update. We haven't done this in a couple of months. And I know there's so much information out there swirling around. It's hard to know what, what can I trust? You know, what, what data can I trust? What's science? What's not science? Uh, who, you know, people have agendas, different things. So from people who live and work in this community and who love our church and who are trying to, uh, as Jesus said, the truth will set you free, trying to bring truth to bear in a, in a world that seems increasingly cynical towards that. Um, what, where are we with the pandemic and COVID-19 right now? As far as Indianapolis, um, you know, what's changed since March? What do we know about transmission that we didn't know then? And even what kinds of things don't we know that we're still kind of learning about at this point? Yeah, Indiana really has fared extremely well. Um, and I think a lot of that reflects the seriousness that our citizens have taken, the personal responsibility that I see in the Hoosiers. Um, and then I've just been so proud at how well our governor, our mayor, mayors of different cities, um, and then the public health folks have worked together and um, have really come together well to, to devise things that will protect all of us and still give us freedom where we can. Uh, some of the stuff that's changed probably most significantly is our ability to test and treat. 
um, folks who have coronavirus. If you remember back in early to mid-March, we could get somewhere in the like 500 to 1,000 tests per day run for coronavirus, which sounds insane now, right? Um, now that we're cranking out 15, 20, 25,000 tests a day, it just seems crazy that we were struggling like that. Um, so we were sort of fighting blind at the time. And I think that's where a lot of the lockdowns and the really um, more extreme sorts of measures came from is because we didn't fully understand what we were up against or um, where the, the disease was and what we needed to do to fight it. Um, so that's been a real blessing and has helped us a ton. Uh, our hospitals are much better equipped now. Um, within the IU health system, all the major Indianapolis adult hospitals rapidly expanded their ability to take care of very sick people, um, increasing the ICU capacity by 50 to 100 um, percent. And at the time, they really needed it. They made use of those extra beds. So they've done a great job and um, now we have experience. It's just easier to take care of something you've taken care of before. Um, and then overall, I, it seems like our numbers are steady and we've got a lot of really helpful things in place. We have enough hand sanitizer and face masks for everyone to have, have those. Um, we have sort of a societal expectation that people will wear those in public can do those things that help decrease transmission and help protect all of us. So, um, yeah, I've just, I've been really proud to live in this state. Yeah, I'll hit the, the data points just real quick. The, the, right now, the, the moving average of positivity in the whole state is 4.9% for the past uh, week. That's reported a week late. So that's from September 6th. Um, for the past month or two, the moving average of deaths per day has been about eight to 14. Um, back compared to May, that was more like 30s and 40s. Um, and I, I encourage, as a lot of folks are asking, how do we decide what to do with MCs and stuff? Take a look at n.gov slash coronavirus because all the data is right there. Um, and if you're curious about the hospitalization rates, that's uh, Regan Strife. Uh, and I think Brandon, you're gonna uh, organize a, um, a fact document we can kind of post for people to be able to look at those things really easily if you want to see them. Um, but yeah, I too am um, pleased to see. I think everybody uh, back in March, I couldn't test, I could only test um, essential workers and high-risk individuals. And now I can test everybody. I can test no matter who age, I can do it in my clinic or I can send them um, to a Optum site that are all over the city conveniently located and usually can get um, an appointment time for a test within one to three days and results in two to three days, um, which is not ideal. I wish we had a faster turnaround, but um, it's, a, it's better than it was for sure. Mm. And as far as things that we still are learning, you know, I know that one of the things that we all kind of acknowledge as we talk, you know, as a team is that there's, there's just kind of an intellectual and professional humility when it comes to a pandemic and a new virus that there's there's just a lot of unknowns and I think that helps to create trust acknowledge you know the things that we still don't know I mean just this week I was reading that they're doing all these tests on um, you know we tend to think of younger people's symptoms as not you know as mild but they're looking at you know potential um, you know heart issues and lung issues and different long haul they call, call talk about the long haul effects of, of this it seems like there's still a lot that is to be discovered as well um, that you know will help us in the future. Yeah, it's it's 
<laughs> really made it super difficult to predict some of those things because I can't tell you what the two-year effect of an infection is if it's only been around for three months. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's good. Add too much to that, but yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, just in terms of kind of the church, uh, we have, as we've had discussions about gathering, we've been gathering outdoors for the last few months and that's been going really well. Uh, most of the churches in Indianapolis have been able to regather corporately with, with, uh, reduced capacities and not have any significant issues that I know of. And so we've been talking about as it gets colder again in October, uh, going back indoors, we've rented a space that uh, allows us a lot more uh, space for social distancing and has better better ventilation and will be much larger than what we have now with some of the limitations at Midtown. Can you just share a little bit about why you guys feel comfortable? Um, and again, not telling us what to do, but advising us. This is a is a low risk of a possibility as it can be uh, given everything that's happening. Mm -hmm. You know, why you guys feel comfortable kind of encouraging people if they want to make that decision and choose to come back that this is you know, this is as good as it can be right now. Yeah, I, I look at um, the, while the specifics change, I think the principles are pretty locked in at this point and we can be pretty confident that there are certain things that reduce our risk of getting the infection. Um, so big things, one is just having physical distance from folks who might have the disease. Um, we talk about six feet or you can be farther apart, um, spending less time around folks who might have the disease. And sort of implicit in both of those two statements is folks who might have the disease. So if there are fewer people in Indianapolis who have the disease, then your risk is just naturally gonna be lower. Um, meeting outside is great, the airflow is wonderful. Um, it's just much safer than being inside from uh, some pretty reasonable data that we have. Um, wearing a mask, it really does help. Um, I know we like to scoff at the homemade masks or even wearing a, an actual medical mask outside, um, but it, it really has made a big difference. Um, and washing hands, all those other things. And so I, I think what you're seeing is a um, kind of coming together of having a space where we can meet without being right on top of each other. Um, having that large space is gonna be just a game changer in terms of being able to keep physically distance. Having really good airflow is super helpful. And then Indianapolis is um, not a hotbed right now of coronavirus. It's, it's relatively low and it's something where, when you add all those together, I think the risk of meeting indoors is really quite low and something that unless you're at just incredibly high risk for serious disease like if you're 95 and have bad diabetes and high blood pressure maybe maybe it wouldn't be worth it but for a lot of our congregation I think we're in a great spot for that. Uh, I mean Nathan would you please tell us about those some of those uh, mask case reports or some of the best evidence for why masks help? Sure yeah. Um, they've looked at masking. There are two really strong uh, reports. One is the, the poor hairdressers in Missouri um, who knew that they were sick and needed to work. I mean, I totally get it and kept going and eventually got tested and found out that they had coronavirus. 
um, but they followed the, their state and local Department of Health guidelines. So they always had their mask on. Um, all the people coming in had their mask on. And out of 40 or 50 or 60 patrons, may have been even more. It was 140. Uh, it was what? 140. Uh, oh, 140, even better. None of them got coronavirus, even though they were with those folks in a pretty enclosed space for quite a while. Um, so it really is, that's encouraging to me because those aren't medical folks. They're not people trained in any special way to wear masks or be careful. Um, and then there's a study out of Massachusetts where they looked at the transmission within a hospital before and after asking everyone to have a mask on all the time. And they found that um, it went down by well over half. So um, if uh, five people a day were getting infected before, it was like two people a day afterwards. We were working on one of the hard things about this is it's hard to get in the medical community to say, yes, do something, your risk is low enough because we, A, we don't know much, and B, um, we worry that, you know, one person does get sick and then it's like, well, you told us it was okay. So, you know, um, unless you have like a, a background in public health and in anxiety and depression and, and other mm. things that are maybe getting worse, if you don't, aren't doing things like going to church, it's going to be hard to find somebody to tell you to do things. Um, but what we can tell, tell you is kind of what we're we're coming up with. And so, um, you know, for me, it's just, it's, it's real. First of all, my risk is extremely low. I don't have any health problems. Um, so there's personal risk and there's family. So my dad does live in the area. He's 74. So I'm, I'm going to keep going to church and I'm going to keep doing things in the community, but I'm going to do all of these distancing, wearing my mask, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to hug my dad. I'm not going to be close to him. We'll have him over, but we're going to be really distant from him and make sure that the windows are open and we're outside most of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that's just a, like a little snippet. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I, I approach things. And then the third thing, I guess, is you know your social responsibility. And so you know, I, I think that if we're distancing, masking, washing our hands, and we're keeping people honest about symptoms and and that, I I, I feel that the the to me right now in September, I feel that the the benefits are greater than the harms for having indoor church. Um, yeah. Will I, will I be able to say that in January? Who knows? Um, yeah. You know, we just don't know right now, but I, I feel confidently personally. And I, and we can say that like a lot of other people would disagree with that. Um, probably yep. um, some even in, in our team would, would feel slightly differently about how to make that decision personally. And that's yep. been something we've all been working through and it's, it's been good. Um, but that, you know, just my story should neither make you go gung ho um, and do, um, you know, do, do certain things without thinking about it for yourself first. Yeah. Nathan, what about you? What are you guys doing and how, you know, just, I know this, this is really hard. We don't want to say, well, this is what I'm doing. So you guys do this, but just giving people different yeah. examples of how even doctors are working through this. You guys are human beings having to make the same decisions that our MC leaders are having to make or discipleship groups are having to make or husbands or parents, kids, single people, you know, what, what is that looking like for you guys? And how would you encourage people to be thinking about this? Yeah, I think that's the hard part. And it's killing all our type A friends who just, they just want to know what the, what the rule is so that they can follow it really well, right? Um, so that part's really difficult. Olivia and I have gone on two trips this summer. Uh, we went down to Louisville, oh, two weeks ago now. Um, and there was a lot of stuff closed and there were uh, different protests and things. So 
other stuff was closed just because of that. But we did have one dinner inside a restaurant. Um, I feel like half the audience has now just dismissed me as a heretic. Um, <laughs> it was it was distanced. Um, all the waiters and uh, restaurant folks wore their masks. Everyone else wore the mask when they got up from their table. Um, and we felt like the, the rates in Louisville were low enough that that made sense for us. Mm -hmm. um, you can contrast that with about a month and a half earlier, we were in Florida for Olivia's family reunion and we didn't go in anywhere. Um, the rates in the community were much higher at that time there. Um, and we spent most of our time 12 or 20 feet away from folks on the beach. So um, it really, it almost, almost makes you feel like a hypocrite because it can be very different from context to context or um, John if your dad were still back in Massachusetts you may have a little bit different uh, threshold for certain things so right. it's really individual and that makes it so hard for us to give any specific guidance yeah yeah yeah. Anything else, John? You better better say something in closing. Yeah. I, I want to wrap this up for you guys. But um, no, anything no. else that you would just add to this, or any other encouragements for folks? Is there? Yeah, it's come to mind. Things you know. This is it's it's. Uh, no, it's not something that's going to magically go away uh, here in the next few yeah. weeks or months. So we're all kind of in this for the winter, and yet we want to. You know, we have needs. I think rather than shaming, we want to invite people to recognize that there are legitimate needs that people have that need to still be met, and we want to try to help them find creative ways to do that in the safest way possible. So yeah, any other thoughts? There? Yeah, so I guess two observations from my work. Um, back in March before there was universal masking, we were losing people left and right. We, we had to shut down like a bunch of our centers um, because of outbreaks and such um, in capacity. But once we started masking, we haven't had to do that at all since. And none of us seem to be getting it from our patients because we're all masking really well. And we're siphoning off. If you have symptoms, you go to the sick area. Um, and I spend about 10 hours a week there seeing patients a week. Uh, and, I've, and I've had no, not come down with it at all. I've had a colleague that she has done nothing but that since March and she's not come down with it. She's not transmitted anything to her kids or her husband. Um, and to my knowledge, all of the MAs working with her haven't had anything either. Um, but uh, we still are getting, people are getting it from their spouses more than from work, it seems to be. So um, for what that's worth, just to me, that, that makes me feel good. Like, I see my patients, I'm not worried, I'm wearing my, my equipment and, and it works. Uh, and then when it comes to RMC, like kind of where our group has come to, to find ourselves is we're gonna do out, things outside as much as we can. Um, we're still gonna try to find ways to share meals. We experimented with having a couple of designated people wash their hands and wear a mask and serve meal, only people that touch the food. And um, we're gonna also I'll probably alternate that with some just bringing your own food and eating by yourself in your own like in your lap six feet apart from other people and we'll probably end up doing that more than others and we'll see um what happens in the winter we don't really know about going inside yet or if we'll probably i'm hoping we'll probably use some summer space but um some of that remains to be seen um, but that's kind of just how we figured it out and we made sure our group was okay with that and um, I, i'm thrilled to hear that lots of other groups are figuring out ways to have you know some people still meet online some people look in person or different ways to make their group and break them into twos and threes and fours excuse me so that they can still be together but distance well and that you know so i think i don't think it should be underestimated just how much 
impact that does when you're in a room full of distance people wearing masks, washing your hands. It's just nothing like the way we were living in February and March when this was going crazy. Um, so just, yeah, I'm, I'm encouraged by that. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you guys. Nathan, were you gonna add something there? Oh yeah, I was just gonna say, I think it's what John's brought up um, is just so important that, yeah, coronavirus is, it's a risk. It, it exists and it can make you sick, um, but loneliness, isolation, um, those, those are real things too. Um, yeah, balancing that may not always be easy, but I think we're in a spot now where we've got the coronavirus stuff sort of in a good spot and um, please make sure you get, get around people, even if you're six or eight feet apart, spend time, have a beer with them or, oops, not to say that. Come on, man. This is something. It's all good. <laughs> um, but yeah, make sure you're getting those parts because depression, anxiety, um, all those other things. John's absolutely right. We're going to see the cost of that here soon. Yep. Yeah. And Brandon, please well, that, get back online in a month or two so we can correct all our mistakes because of. Yes. Yeah, we will. This is all the caveat is like this could all change in two days or two weeks or two months. And so. Thank you for giving us this real-time update, and we'll continue to, uh, to to circle back here as we learn more. But again, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for all the work you're doing for uh, the kingdom, and thanks for taking this time to just give us an update. And uh, yeah, we'll continue to pray for you guys. I know uh, Nathan has a big, long week coming up uh, in the hospital. and So yeah, thanks for taking your time, and we're just really, really grateful for you guys. So peace. Peace. Thanks. Peace. <laughs>